Well, we are about 90 minutes away from cutting the ribbon at the newest, biggest, just impressive place in Norman, the Young Family Athletic Center. And if you've been listening to the ref today, you've heard us talk about the newest thing in Norman, the Young Family Athletic Center. And whether it was Plank or whether it was Steely, it was uh, – everyone will tell you that this facility is incredible. It is in. Credible 245. The doors are going to open today at the Young Family Athletic Center here in Norman. The ceremony is set for 3:30 today. There will be tours of the facility. A big time thing. I, I remember being at the groundbreaking ceremony. What just a a couple of years ago we were out here, and now this thing is just about complete. Eight basketball courts, 12 volleyball courts, 18 pickleball courts, and so much more that we'll tell you as uh, we're on the air here for the next four hours. But Parker, I almost feel like I'm a GM sitting here because I'm on the second level of this place. Yeah, two levels of this place. And the visual that I have, I'm overlooking all eight basketball courts on the second level. I have this just big glass uh, big glass in front of me, and I'm looking down the basketball courts. It's like where a uh, GM would sit of an NBA team, where his office would be with the practice facility. But very, very impressive what Trey Young and the family have uh, been able to do here, and we'll have multiple interviews throughout the day to tell you more about the Young Family Athletic Center, what it means for the city of Norman, and how you can be involved with this great facility here moving forward. I said I, I feel like a GM sitting here today because of my view, and I guess GM is kind of one of the big keywords or general manager, one of the big titles of our first segment here, because J.R. Sandlin is leaving OU for SMU to become the assistant AD and general manager. A lot of different ways we can go here, Parker. But first, like one thing that really stands out to me with this is this GM role in college football is expanding, and I I wonder if we'll see a day here pretty soon where just about every single major college football team has a general manager. Yeah, folks, he brought up that whole conversation to drop hints. The new GM of OU football is going to be Tyler McComas. Yes. As first reported here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. So That's uh, right here. I got there's officially, my my officially a vacancy for an afternoon show host. Send your applications in to Steely. He's going to be the one hiring for the position uh, as the elder statesman of the group. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, you know, we, we did kind of touch on the 12 o'clock hour. It's a move that makes sense for J.R. Sandlin because GM, that's one of those roles that is – emblematic of the wave of the future in college football and so if you get a power five gm job odds are unless you're already a power five gm if you're just a dpp or director of recruiting or something along those lines and you're offered a gm position you're gonna take it not only because it's gonna come with a substantial bump in pay but also it's going to position you well as far as your career trajectory within college football because gm is something that I'd be surprised if there is a single college football program that doesn't have it by 2027. I would say within the next three years, everybody's going to have a GM. I have got some bad news here, and I'm blaming Mike Steely for it. Oh, no. What happened? We had about 30 minutes with no issues at all. And as far as I can tell, my connection's fine. I am just getting an echo every time I talk. So (laughs) every time I say something... It's echoing right back to me. But we will move forward. It's all good. We'll handle it today as long as we have to anyway. But I do say that Bob Stoops should be the new GM, not me. Way more qualified, and he would do a much better job as well.
Sooner Gundy says, my name is Mike Gundy. Do I get the radio job? Yes. Sooner Gundy and Parker Thune for a uh, – for a, um, a recruiting hour every single day. That'd be that'd be great. Um, LaDonna says, I think I should be a, in a shoe in to replace Tyler. Would you want LaDonna on with you for an hour? Oh, I'm down with that, 100%. Bring it on, LaDonna. Let's do it. Let's Cole have us an afternoon show. Colin Claremore says GM Bob Stoops as well. Uh, okay, so we covered kind of the GM aspect of it, uh, of what could come in college football. How big of a loss is this for OU recruiting? Because it's no secret that recruiting has been at least bumped up in the rankings the past couple of years. Defensive recruiting looks a lot better. A lot of that is because of Brent and his staff. But J.R. Sandlin definitely played a role in the recruiting side of things the past couple of years ago. How big of a loss is this really? Well, it's a loss. But much like Lee Davis, right, and this is not to diminish the impact of what J.R. Sandlin or Lee Davis was doing, but it is a position that by nature is highly replaceable, right? It's it's not as if you're talking about the linchpin of the operation here behind the scenes for Oklahoma. Their roles were valuable, no question about it, and you're going to have to bring in high-value individuals to replace them, but I don't think anybody in the OU office is necessarily feeling like Oh boy, we don't know what the future holds after J.R. Sandlin departs sure. uh, for SMU. Yeah. Well, best of luck to Jr. He is a really good dude, does a really good job, and I'm sure he'll do a really good job at uh, SMU. And, and that's one that I still struggle with and probably will for a long time. Like, I'm just now realizing that Oregon will be in the Big Ten, USC, UCLA, Washington will be in the Big Ten. But there's three schools in particular with all this movement with conference realignment, Parker, that I just won't ever get used to. That's SMU in the ACC and Cal and Stanford in the <laughs> ACC. I just I can't get there, man. And I'll, and I'll mess that up multiple times throughout the next three years, more than likely. Yeah, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Colin Claremore says, so do we think that BV would become GM slash head coach? Uh, no. Brent Venables is your head football coach. He will not be your general manager. Um, I, I'm working on getting clearance to report who the new general manager is going to be at Oklahoma. I know who did. it is. I just, well, alas, it is not Tyler McComas. <laughs> uh, I, so I know who it is. I don't know whether I am authorized to actually say who it is publicly yet. Uh, but, yes, Oklahoma is going to have a general manager going forward. They will. Former player? No comment. Hmm. Sounds like a former player, maybe. Text line, who do you think the former player is that's the next GM? If somebody guesses it, will you acknowledge who it is? No comment. Hmm. I'm not trying to get in trouble here. It's a former player. Who would I want as a former player as the next GM? Jay White, I bet he would do a pretty good job. He's still around here. I'm trying to think of other former players. Oh, my God, is it Teddy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Teddy Lehman. I told you we were hiring for an afternoon slot. The yes. joke was that it was you that we were replacing. It's smokescreen. It's Teddy, actually. Colin Claremore says, please be the boss. Yeah, the boss would be sweet if he was the next uh, GM. New general manager, Teddy Kalmus. Teddy by God Lehman. And here's probably my guess. Actually, I don't know if it is. Because he started to get into the media side a little bit more this season. But Gerald McCoy would be pretty awesome at that job, I feel like. 
I just think he has other options available to him at this point. Yukon <laughs> Bob says, that's it. If it's not Tyler, we're in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And yes. Gerald McCoy, I, he is somebody that I think for his own good and for OU's own good, I don't want him working for the program because a lot of what he does right now on social media, he couldn't do if he were employed by the university. So I think what Gerald McCoy does is awesome as far as being a spokesperson for the OU brand, and I don't want to have to rein that in. Uh, Not that Travis in Tulsa says Caleb Kelly. He's already got a role within the football program right now. Not that he can't be elevated to GM, but my guess, since Parker won't give us any hints, is that it's someone currently not affiliated with the program. Yes? No? Maybe? Oh, were you were you hoping for a hint there? Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just not trying to get one. I'm I'm trying to lure you in any way that I can. Who's your ideal candidate? My well, I think Gerald McCoy, big personality, um, been in the NFL, was in the NFL for a long time. So like, so you're you're okay with Gerald McCoy not being able to do all the stuff on social that he does right now, though? Yeah, he did get David Stone. Jeez, and how did we not give him? K-Riff Recruit of the Month at one point last year. Well, because Ronnie Crimson was also heavily involved true. in that one. That's true. Yes, I'm willing to sacrifice that for Gerald McCoy to be a part of the football program wow, and a big okay. part of it, yes. A listener in the 918 says, change General Booty's last name to manager, and boom, we have our GM. <laughs> yes, sweet. Curtis Lofton says, Sooner Lisa from BA. Curtis is currently affiliated with the program. That he is. Sam Bradford is a guest that's been thrown around. <laughs> Gosh. Somebody, Did you see that text? Some, he just rolled in from the 580. said, Trey Matoir will bring OU lots oh of exposure. Gosh. Unbelievable. You guys are funny. I'll oh, give you that. Man. Well done. It's, it's what I always say, like, if we just open up a question. Like, hey, text line, what do you think? Like, the first 45 seconds to a minute and a half, like, serious answers. Then after that, it tends to go off the rails. And that's where we're at right now with the Trey McGuire tags. Beautiful. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Young Family Athletic Center right here in Norman. Eight basketball courts, 12 volleyball courts, 18 pickleball courts, a massive 74-foot video screen to display live games and a whole lot more. We'll tell you more about the Young Family Athletic Center as the show rolls on. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Get up my Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Someone text in, uh, have you guys talked about Missouri's AD leaving. We have not. I know Parker laughed. It's the first thing that Parker brought up on this week of radio that he's been a part of. It's the first thing he did. He started laughing about it, which I probably would have done the same thing if I was on at noon. Um, But no, he he and I have not yet. Mizzou's AD is leaving for Arizona, and it's not because of a pay increase. No, it is not. Mizzou's AD is leaving for Arizona. I don't know if you want to read between the lines there. In, in what is this the is this the second time in their past three ads that they've left for a, like a lateral move in another school? Yeah, because Mac Rhodes went to Baylor. And yeah, Mac Rhodes went to Baylor while Baylor was utterly buried, and Arizona, like of all the athletic programs that are in dire financial straits across the Power Five, 
Arizona might be the worst of the worst. They're $250 million in debt. Yikes. Tyler. Yikes. <laughs> Yet, after the uh, the greatest Mizzou football season since Chase Daniel was picking his nose on the sidelines, Mizzou's AD is uh, leaving for Arizona. What, what, what's your theory here? You got a theory as to some things are happening with the football program there and she's trying to distance herself from it? That's a fun uh that's a fun thing to think about, a fun rumor to start. Yeah, well, it's it's quite obvious that you don't take a lateral job that doesn't result in a pay increase. You don't make a lateral move that doesn't result in a pay increase unless you're eager to get out of there for one reason or another. And I can I can think of many reasons why an athletic director might be eager to get out of the situation up at Mizzou, and obviously – a lot of it involves NIL-related misgivings. Uh, okay, we have a lot of guesses on the text line about the new GM, if it is a uh, former player. Mark and Blanchard says Caleb Kelly. Yukon Al says Dusty. E. J.P. Sooner says Drake bleeping stoops. 940 says Bill Belichick for GM. Could Bel- Belichick needs a job. Could it be Bill Belichick? that uh, Britt Venables is trying to bring to Norman. Here's a Curtis Lofton, a Sam Bradford, Marcus Dupree. Did any – Baker Mayfield is on here. The Boz, Rocky Kalmus. Did, did anyone mention the correct name of the next GM at OU? No comments. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and officially remove Baker Mayfield. I will go ahead and disclose that he is not going to be the next GM at the University of Oklahoma. Figured can- OU could pay more than that massive – uh, payday he's about to get from the Tampa Bay Bucks. That, that'd be uh, that'd be awesome if Baker ever comes back. Uh, okay, to 2025 recruiting, and I don't think that this is a, a huge surprise, but Nate Roberts apparently has locked in another Ohio State trip. So when we talk about Nate Roberts, we're going to be talking about OU. We're going to be talking about Ohio State. We're going to be talking about Oregon. Uh, there are crystal balls and have been crystal balls for Nate Roberts to go to Ohio State. The fact that he has booked another trip to Columbus. Does that mean anything to you? Or are we still kind of in wait-and-see mode for the next you know month, two months or so? Well, it, it validates that he's seriously considering Ohio State, right, because you're not still making trips if you're not interested. And so it, it doesn't really tell us anything that we don't already know. OU, Ohio State, Oregon, those are kind of the three that are battling it out for Nate Roberts. And once again, as we engage in the – tight end discourse as a whole what ought to be understood is that no it's it's not a great thing if Nate Roberts ends up going to Ohio State and or Oregon because then he becomes kind of the odd man out amongst all the elite dudes in the state of Oklahoma because the majority of them are committed to OU right now and intend to sign with OU but OU is not exactly up a creek without a paddle when it comes to recruiting tight ends if Nate Roberts decides he wants to be a Buckeye or a Duck. If you missed the show on Friday, we did talk about the Darion Coleman future cast that was in from John Garcia Jr. Darion Coleman, a uh, 2026 quarterback, and that's relevant because, you know, we've mentioned multiple times about, well, Seth Luttrell gets the co-OC job, he's going to be your play caller, and he walks into a really good quarterback situation. You know, he walked into a spot where Jackson Arnold's already on campus. There were two quarterbacks already committed for the 24 class. Your quarterback for 2025 was already committed as well. So he could kind of get, you know, 
the lay of the land a little bit and really just focus on his 2026 quarterback gets. And it's looking more and more like it's going to be Darion Coleman out of the state of Florida, a really good player. And I don't know if you expect that one to wrap up by the summer or not, but as we said on Friday, it's looking more and more like Darion Coleman's going to be Seth Luttrell's first QB commit at OU. And I love it, if so. He's a guy that is very, very projectable. You know, he's polished right now, but he's also young. And so you take the skills that he flashes on tape and imagine what he's going to be once he gets to a collegiate – because he's only about 160 pounds right now. Has all the tools. Has all the tools, but he's small. And so think about what the potential is for a guy like that that already leapfrogged a Power 5 commit to start as a sophomore at the high school level. Uh, That kid's going to be good. Really good. 6'1", 160 out of uh, Orlando, Florida. Got the OU offer, of course. Uh, Some other offers, Ole Miss, Nebraska – uh, Texas A&M, West Virginia currently offered, but seems like OU's uh, pretty good spot there for 2026 quarterback Darion Coleman. Now, Keon Sab, who uh, entered into the transfer portal, what, last Friday, correct? And Hayes Fawcett did an edit over the weekend, and it had all the schools. See, I mean, Hayes will do this from time to time for players in the portal. Here's who... Uh, Keon Sab has all heard from since he's entered into the transfer portal. Uh-huh. And OU is, is one of those. And we talked on Friday of, huh, the same day that he hops in the portal is the same day that his younger brother in the 26th class announces he now holds an offer from OU. That can't just be coincidence. It doesn't sound like it was. OU's reached out to Keon Sab. Georgia has, Tennessee has, Bama has, Oregon has. Any initial thought of OU's chances with the uh, – the Michigan transfer that's currently in the portal. There hasn't been a ton of buzz on that front. Obviously, OU's in the market for the kid. We know that much. But the question remains, how seriously are they in the market? Because I'll tell you this much. We know Oklahoma has depth at safety. They have existing depth at safety. There is no question about that. But the early returns on the freshman that are early enrollees, not just Jaden Hardy, who was with the team for the bowl game, but also Reggie Powers and Michael Boganowski, and Powers in particular, has just blown people away thus far. And so as good as Oklahoma's safety room looks on paper, it might be even better because in Boganowski and Powers and Hardy, you have three guys that could play year one if they needed to, and they probably won't need to, at least not a whole heck of a lot, but... That safety room is loaded, Tyler. Wasn't it Reggie Powers? Did, didn't he commit? Was it during the Kansas game or right yes. after the Kansas game? It was during the Kansas game. Yeah, so it was like the least heralded recruits <laughs> of the entire 2024 class because, well, he committed during a game, and it was during a game that you lost. It was the first game of the year. So we didn't really... I mean, we, we talked about Reggie Powers, but I don't think that we mentioned him as much as we should because as as the cycle kind of went on and on, you heard more and more people say, well, I'm watching film of this guy, and this guy's really good, and maybe he's the underrated prospect that OU has in the 2024 class. So all that to say, I guess when I hear, and certainly with Boganowski as well, but I guess when I hear that, hey, Reggie Powers kind of looks the part early on, that doesn't surprise me all that much because, I don't know, I, I, I would definitely view him probably as the most underrated uh, prospect of that entire 2024 class. It used to be Jaden Jackson, 
until we started to talk a lot about Jaden Jackson. But I think Reggie Powers could – he could end up being a star, man, if he takes care of business. He absolutely could. And I, I just wonder, like, at what point – because this will happen at some point down the line. There will be some safety that ends up transferring from Oklahoma, not because they're not good. There will be a very good safety that has to transfer from Oklahoma because there's just not room. And there will be fans that get on social media and ask, how on earth could OU lose this guy? And the rejoinder will be, well, have you looked at the rest of the room? Because you can only have so many dudes in that rotation. Uh, from the 5-8 on the text line, what are some other freshman transfer standouts? Oh, freshman slash transfer standouts, excuse me. So any newcomer, which newcomers have been standing out so, so far in winter workouts? Heard great things about Stone and Jaden Jackson. That shouldn't be surprising. Heard good stuff on Boganowski and Powers. Um, I'm trying to think. Daniel Akinkunmi, obviously, is a guy that, per everybody, has just approached things with a very min- uh, a very mature mentality, which you would expect from the kid. If you've heard him talk, uh, you kind of come to understand the person that he is. That's not a shock. And then Michael Hawkins is another guy that everybody everybody's kind of been collectively shocked at how ready he seems to play college football. And you kind of knew when you took Brendan Zerbrug, okay, this is an unfinished product. This guy is going to need a little while to get to where he needs to be if he wants to be a Power 5 starter, and that's fine, right? You don't necessarily bring a quarterback in with the expectation, oh, you've got to be ready in year one or else. But make no mistake, Michael Hawkins is a guy that's going to be ready in year one if his number is called. From the 405, OU will not get Nate Roberts because OU will not pay what either Ohio State or Oregon will pay. Until OU changes their mentality on these things, they will continue to lose players like that to those schools and even the Mizzou's and Ole Misses of the world. I hasn't OU had really good recruiting classes in twenty four and twenty three, or did, did I miss something? No, you didn't miss anything, Tyler. Huh, okay. And I, look, I, first off, I promise you, it's not that simple with the kid. It's not as simple as oh, he's going to the highest bidder. Okay, there are some kids of which that is true. Nate Roberts isn't one of them. He has his reasons for enjoying Oregon and enjoying Ohio State, he would have his reasons to commit there. And, look, this is such a tired narrative. OU's going to lose this guy and this guy and this guy, and they're not going to be able to recruit on a nationally competitive level unless they open up the pocketbook. That's just not true. I'm not sure what other data you need than the 2023 class and the 2024 class to understand that OU's going to recruit just fine. With or without a zillion dollars of NIL money? Well, they just do. They just signed the number one defensive lineman. We talk all the time how big-time interior uh, defensive linemen are hard to find. They're hard to get. Well, OU just signed the number one defensive lineman and arguably the single best defensive player in the 2024 class. Have they lost out to kids before because of money? Sure. But I think there's probably a lot of schools out there where that's the case. I'm not – look, I – I make complain about some things with the football program, but I'm not going to complain about recruiting because it's humming along right now at a pretty high level, especially okay, yeah, on the defensive side with what they're getting. Utah, that particular texter brought up a tight end in Nate Roberts, so let's just stick with the tight end conversation for a second. You think Devon Mitchell came to OU for free? No, I do not. I promise you he did <laughs> I do not. I promise you he did not. 
Yeah, I, I mean, whether or not they get Nate Roberts, yeah, I don't. I, I'm kind of with you. Just I don't think it's as simple as whoever the highest bidder is. That's where where Nate Roberts is going to go. May he go to Ohio State? Absolutely. But yeah. will it be Ohio State because they just offered more money than OU and Oregon? I don't. My guess is that no, that would not be the case as to why he'd pick Ohio State. Correct. Four four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Here from the Trey Young, or excuse me, the Young Family Athletic Center. Trey Young did have a very big part of this. But is the Young Family Athletic Center right here in Norman? Membership and swim lessons are available for purchase online. You may also purchase a day pass. Starting Tuesday, February 20th, there will be a series of soft opening events. Watch Facebook for details. This facility will be fully open in March. An Adidas retail store and Beanstalk Coffee and Snow will be opening in here in spring of 2024. It's impressive, I'm telling you. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with Pacobus and Thune, live on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Young Family Athletic Center is where uh, we're hanging out today. Eight basketball courts, 12 volleyball courts, 18 pickleball courts, and a whole lot more. So let's learn more about the Young Family Athletic Center, shall we? Jason Olson, Director of Parks, and recreation with the city of Norman joins us. Jason has joined us several times over the years. Oh, You're like yeah. a ref uh, regular here yeah, on the airways. Y'all let me on the air way too much, but I do appreciate <laughs> it. Um, wow. I don't know what else to say other than this is incredible, man. And we're looking out at all eight basketball courts. Uh, the vision for this place was incredible, and it, it came to fruition, didn't it, man? Oh, yeah. The, uh, we got a million-dollar view right up here in the, uh, the top of the Norman regional space overlooking the basketball courts. And uh, for those who Norman who are in our community haven't come by and seen this place, you got to come by and check it out. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a game changer for our, for our kids here in Norman. Yeah, I knew about the like what this was going to mean for the community in terms of the basketball side, uh, even the volleyball side as well. But pickleball is gaining more and more popularity, and I, I thought initially that okay for a kid that's in junior high or high school this is going to be a big thing for you know summer teams you know going around the country more people coming into norman i'm sure that's going to be the case but i didn't realize just how big of a deal this is going to be for all members of the norman community oh yeah you, anybody can come in here and we're going to have times um, to come out here and do fitness classes you can shoot some baskets play some pickleball we'll have open volleyball times we also have two swimming pools uh, one's a competition pool with eight lanes, uh, 25 yards in length. That's the same length that a high school or a college NCAA um, swims. And we also have a warm-up pool with four lanes. So it's the same length. Uh, it, all kinds of things are going on, and we're not quite done. We're still adding things as we go along. We're going to have outdoor pickleball courts in the back. And, and for all my pickleball friends out there, I love y'all, but y'all are passionate about your sport. <laughs> we have to make sure we make space for all of them. You were getting some shots up earlier. I don't. I, you're breathing pretty heavy when you walked up here. Yes. I, don't, I don't know if it went well or not. Hopefully, no. you shot better than OU did in the second half on, oh, on Saturday. Uh, uh, heck yeah, I, I shot a little bit better. But here's a little hint for anybody who knows Kellen McCoy: don't challenge him to a game horse. You'll, you're most likely going to lose. He can he can still shoot. Yeah. That's for sure. So what was what was Trey and the Young family? Their you know initial just to want to help build this facility in Norma. Trey's very passionate about Norman, as is the Young family, but how did this all come to be? Oh, and I will say before I start, it, it surrounds Rayford, and uh, Ray loves Norman. He loves his community. Uh, Trey does too. His wife is also very passionate, yeah. Candace. Uh, so we, 
we've known them or I've known them for a very, very long time. They started playing junior jammers when I was at the Whittier Rec Center back in, I believe it's 2003. So we're going way back in the Wayback Machine. So I've known, known the Young family a long time. As we were starting out the process of planning this, we actually had a, a meeting, a sit-down meeting that the, the Griffin family uh, wanted to come in and, and, and do the $4 million and meet with us. And then a couple days later, uh, you know, sitting there eating uh, lunch with my, my boss, Judd, and all of a sudden I get a call from Ray, and I haven't talked to Ray in probably about two or three years at that point. And he go, uh, I pick up the phone, I go, hey, Ray, I haven't talked to you in a long time. And he goes, I thought we were friends. And I go, what are you talking about, Ray? You talked to the Griffins? You know, like, you know about that meeting? Well, anyways, henceforth, but, but after that, we talked. We, we brought him together with city leaders and, and my boss and the city manager and, and he wanted to donate that money. He didn't want to invest money. He sure. wanted to donate that money. He doesn't want the money back. He just wants to improve our community. And, and that goes for the whole family. Very passionate. Everything has to do with, with, with this. And this is a, this is a legacy point for, for them and their whole family. And they're, they're happy to be a part of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I thought Trey was going to win the uh, three-point contest on Saturday oh, night. He, he got to the final round. And then I, well, it, was, it was the last, last ball that uh, – that, that got him beat there, but he's, well, he's just had an incredible career. Ironically with that, if you look at, you know, you, you always play your, your Kevin Bacon game. Um, Kellen McCoy played basketball with Damian Lillard, and he gave um, Trey Young shooting lessons uh, all the way through, through, through high school. So, Kellen. Kellen's to blame? Yeah, you want to blame Kellen? Yeah, I was okay. going to say Kellen. Take it, Kellen. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's, he's had a fantastic career thus far in Atlanta, um, and he, of course, was playing in the All-Star game last night. So, pretty cool what he's accomplished, and – Man, last thing I got for you, because I know you got to get up there and speak later on with Rayford and some uh, some other uh, folks as well. But what what does this just mean for for the city of Norman? We talked about what it means for some of the residents of Norman, just but just for Norman as as a whole. What what what, what would this do? I, this is just long overdue. You know, we've had a inadequate spaces for our kids to play sports in a long, long time, and Norman Ford. Um, through through the community wanting to invest back in itself and willing to tax itself has uh, really stepped up their game. Um, things like this, the libraries, Reeves, Griffin, uh, the Adult Wellness and Education Center, Westwood, nonstop um, investing back in itself. And uh, the willingness to do that is that now we have the, this beautiful center, we have all these beautiful facilities around Norman, vested in our parks. Just made Norman a better place to live. And I'm happy and love being a part of this community just because how willing Normanites are to help each other out, and this is beautiful. He's Jason Olson, Director of Parks and Recreation with the City of Norman, and I will always thank him for when I was doing a remote at Westwood Golf in the uh, in the in the grill, and you changed all the TVs to OU softball super regional game a couple of years yeah, ago. So yeah, I still yeah. thank you for that, Jason. You're the man. Appreciate, yeah. you appreciate you joining. It. Director of Parks and Recreation here at the City of Norman. He'll be one of the uh, speakers here later on as we get ready for the uh, ribbon cutting coming up at 3.30 at the Young Family Athletic Center. Um, did you see the massive new contract extension that old Sark got over the weekend, man? They're, they're, they're essentially doubling his pay, Parker. He was getting, uh, what, 5.6 mil in 2023 He's going to be making $10.3 million in 2024. His new contract goes through 2030. The man uh, did not beat OU, but he won a Big 12 championship and he made a college football playoff. 
So they are uh, they're all in on uh, Steve Sarkeesian for the future uh, of Texas football. Yeah, they are. That is a substantial investment into your head coach anywhere. I mean, even the University of Texas, which has a ton of money, right? To pay a to pay a coach ten million dollars a year, I mean, you're really banking on that dude being the guy, and that's obviously the hope. And Sarkeesian, to his credit, has shown more than any of the last three or four coaches at the University of Texas. Uh, that he is, well, really ever since Mac Brown, uh, that he is capable of being that guy. And, you know, I, I'd like, I guess when you're in a position that Texas is in and has been for quite some time, if you feel like you have the guy, you probably want to lock him down long term. And so I get it. You don't want to be wandering the wilderness for coaches the way that they were between, you know, the end of the Mac Brown era, the Charlie Strong era, the Tom Herman era, there was no clear answer as to what the stable long-term answer was going to be for Texas. And it seems like they have that in Steve Sarkeesian. I get their willingness to want to lock him down. But uh, what that says to me, Tyler, is, okay, like this better work now because yep. if it doesn't, you're on the hook for a lot of money. And your fan base is not going to look kindly upon the administration if you sink this much capital into Steve Sarkeesian and he eventually doesn't pan out. Sark picked the perfect year to have the best season that Texas has had since Colt McCoy was on campus because at the same time that he got Texas to the college football playoff and won their first Big 12 title since 2009, the Alabama job became open. Now, I don't know where Sark was at in the pecking order of who Bama wanted, if they wanted him more than Kalen DeBoer, if they didn't want him, but I'm sure his name was brought up. So Texas was probably always going to pay him a decent amount of money after Texas made the playoff this year, but that Alabama job being open this offseason as well, I'm sure that benefited Sark uh, nicely as well when it came to contract negotiations. Yeah, he's got a lot of – I mean, he had a lot of leverage in contract negotiations. Yep. What does Texas have? You know, Sark, I, I'm sure Sark looked at it from the standpoint of, okay, with the way that coaching carousel is these days, and given that I have successfully rehabilitated my career, taken a program to the college football playoff in year three, if if you don't want to take this seriously, I'll walk. I'll go find somewhere else that will pay me just as much, if not more money. And – he had all the leverage, really, in those conversations. So Texas was kind of hamstrung. And, again, when you're hoping to get out of the wilderness after years and years of wandering, you you basically got to be okay giving a coach whatever he wants. Uh, let's see. Outlaw Devil says, any chance Pachati sees the field this year? Uh, very random question. Yes, in the middle was. of everything. But I, I don't remember the last time we've talked about Phil Pachotti, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. Yes, there is a chance Phil Pachotti sees the field this year. Obviously, he's coming back from a major injury, so the question is going to be whether he is the same dude that he was before the injury. But before the injury, I can tell you people were very high on Phil Pachotti, and it's easy to understand why. Uh, if you ever encounter Phil Pachotti face-to-face, person-to-person, he is an enormous human being. And I get linebackers in general are not diminutive, but Phil Pachotti is just huge, man. The epitome of a thumper. And so, yes, I think he does see the field in some capacity for Oklahoma this year. But obviously, with Danny Stutzman coming back, he's not going to be starting, and his rotational action will be severely limited. 
Yeah, and there's some other really good players at that spot, too. Like, I, I had this down in the rundown sheet today just to kind of start talking about spring football because I think we're getting close to the start of spring football. It feels like we are. But, like, the spring the spring football position battles that interest you the most. And, and I don't know if this is number one on my list. I mean, it, it's somewhere towards the top. But Stutzman is absolutely a starter at linebacker. But we saw multiple... I mean, who else started next to him last year? Obviously, you saw Jaron Canick. Kip Lewis started there as well. So who's going to be that other linebacker this year next to Danny Stutzman? Will there be a rotation like there were at times last year? I think that second backer spot next to Stutzman is a is a big deal, and I think a really good player is going to win out there. And potentially, Parker, a really good player may lose out on that starting job initially. I think the best – like the best testament to how talented and how deep Oklahoma's defense is going to be next year is that, yes, there will be several very talented players, Tyler, that are second string. And no doubt over the first few weeks of the season, people will be asking, why is so-and-so coming off the bench? Why is so-and-so only getting 15 snaps a game? And, and the answer will be, quite candidly, well, where are you going to put him? Who are you going to take out of the lineup to throw him in there? I'm taking Danny Stutzman out of the lineup very much, that's for sure. Man, and to, to that point, one guy we have barely talked about is Kendall Dolby, right? Because you think Cheetah, I think you think Desan McCullough, and you think cornerback, you're thinking Woody Washington and Josiah Wagner and Macari Vickers and those guys. Kendall Dolby was as critical a cog as anybody for Oklahoma defensively over the latter half of the season, and... He's going to be somebody that even even with all the good that he did this last year, yep. he's going to have to fight for every snap he gets. Agree. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Who's going to be the number one player in the state for 2025? We have a few candidates, including one that we've already talked about this show. But who's got the best chance to be the number one player when it's all said and done? We'll talk about that next right here on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune, Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Bringing you this hour of Locked In is where the Young Family Athletic Center today, 3.30, will be the ribbon cutting. Doors are uh, doors are open here. Doors open at 2.45. So come on by if you want to see the ribbon cutting or get a tour of the new facility. Okay, so Rivals currently has six players in the state of Oklahoma ranked as a four-star. But the question is, Parker, who's realistically in the running for the best player in the state for 2025? Elijah Thomas is currently ranked as the number one player in the state. Mm. Out of Elijah Thomas, Nate Roberts, Kevin Sperry, Tristan Haynes, C.J. Nixon, and Jaden Nickens, which, what, three of those are OU commits, by the way? How many of those names are we seriously considering that that could be the top player in the state by the end of the cycle. I would say Sperry is certainly the most likely to overtake Thomas just because he plays a premium position. Uh, Don't sleep on Tristan Haynes, though, especially because he is so tall for a defensive back and has such a unique skill for a defense. I mean, in many ways, he is a legit wide receiver that is playing defensive back, and so it wouldn't shock me if he's ultimately in that conversation. But those are the three, I think, Thomas, Haynes and Kevin Sperry that end up duking it out. Elijah Thomas, I mean, he's number one right now. He's just so good, man. And, and, and I know at the school that he plays at, Shakota, like he's not going to get, you know, maybe as much recognition as a couple of these Carl Albert kids might. But 
I think Elijah Thomas showed us last last off season during the summer when he was here at OU just how good of a player that he is. So see, it looks like there's multiple players though that could be considered as the top player in the state by seasons in and six four stars, man. Six four stars in this class and maybe a guy like Marcus James at a Carl Albert. Maybe a guy like Alex Shield Knight out of Wagner. Those are two OU commits. Heck even Trene Washington. Like you've got six four stars in state right now. Might that number get to seven or eight by the time we get to September? It very well could. It very well could. And anyway, you slice it. There are, I mean, nine of the top ten guys, nine of the top ten have OU offers. And so that tells you that regardless of where they end up ranking according to the recruiting industry, nine of those ten guys are good enough to play scholarship football at the University of Oklahoma. And that is rarely, regardless of where they're ranked, right, it's rarely the case that there are nine legitimate scholarship caliber players from the state of Oklahoma that the Sooners would entertain the idea of offering in a single cycle. Uh, By the way, OU currently ranked fifth, right? They've been fifth for for a while now on rivals in the 2025 rankings, but you still got Notre Dame at one with 16 commits, LSU at two with nine commits, Clemson at three with 11, Ohio State at four with eight, then there's Oklahoma at five with 10. OU has the fourth most commits right now in the 2025 recruiting cycle with 10 commits. By the way, Kalen DeBoer, who we mentioned earlier at Alabama, he was the first Alabama coach ever to do something. Would you like to guess what that was? Post on social media. Post on social media. Kalen DeBoer, the first Alabama coach ever to post on social media. Because Nick Saban don't tweet. (laughs) The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.